Three years in the business, uh, as we know, uh, many commonly joke that if you want to be a millionaire, start off with a billion, buy an airline, and then you have a million. But seems as though uh, <laughs> that hasn't been the case for you and your peers in the industry. Help us unpack how business has been going for you. Yeah, it's been a very, very interesting journey so far. We launched in the middle of the pandemic. So December 2020 was was when we launched. So actually yesterday marked three years exactly since our first flight. So we've been celebrating, giving away lots of prizes um, and actually reflecting on the journey, which in the beginning was very challenging. I mean, I, I'm sure for anyone running a business, you can remember what it was like dealing with the different waves of the pandemic, the different rules that were in place. Mm. Um, but we've got an amazing team. We, we managed to pull together a really amazing team and and together we've navigated uh those challenges and we three years later we've moved two million south africans and are going from strength to strength 100 percent. you certainly have been growing and i can imagine what those early days were like and perhaps it also added to much frustration uh, despite uh, uh your growth right change in regulations uh different policies in terms of traveling um uh, and of course at one point what we saw was you know just the difficulties in you know encouraging more south africans to travel especially domestically how did you navigate some of those uh, um Ign- uh, jonathan well one of the reasons um we we felt comfortable launching an airline during such an uncertain time was because of the new business model which we were implementing in the industry. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, airlines are very inflexible. You lease aircraft and you have to fly them. The reason we we uh, felt comfortable launching when we did was we were able to access aircraft on extremely flexible leases. So for example, when in July 2021, they banned travel in and out of Gauteng, we could say we're actually cancelling all of our flights Mm -hmm. and we're going to park the aircraft and we weren't on the hook for those lease costs. So it's a very different model. We call it a demand-driven model. So where we see demand, we can scale up. And if we don't see demand, we can we can scale down like we did um, during COVID. If I may, though, Jono, does that mean you own these aircrafts or perhaps the lease is just dependent on when you fly it? So w- whether or not you own the aircraft, it, it's an aircraft is, is an expensive asset to have sitting on the ground doing nothing. So so we do within our group, we have a mix of owned and leased aircraft. Um, and and it's typically how it works um, for an airline. It's they're very very expensive, and so ultimately, you do lease um, when you need to scale up. We also have operations within our group um, overseas, and we off, we we share aircraft between uh, Europe and South Africa to take advantage of the peaks in European summer and the peaks in in the summer in the southern hemisphere. So there's a lot of efficiencies that we're building and and taking advantage of. Um, but it was certainly very challenging to to manage those in the midst of COVID and changing regulations. 100%. Uh, speaking of the, the various um, um, business structure, or rather the different and competitive business uh, uh, strategy that you've implemented that does capitalize on demand and following the necessary trend within the unique markets, I'm keen to understand how this also speaks to your maintenance schedule. It's been intriguing to know that um, over the last few years, we've seen a number of closures in terms of maintenance facilities and the loss of that scale, uh, primarily from the South African market. How have you managed that? And um, uh, again, the cost burden that typically comes with it. Yeah, so I think we're very lucky in that we've got an in-house maintenance capability. 
So we do our own maintenance on on our aircraft and third-party maintenance. So thankfully, you're spot on. There's definitely been a huge increase in the demand for maintenance. Luckily, we've got that in-house so we, we can service ourselves. But on the other hand, things that even if you're doing your own maintenance, we still need to buy parts. We still need to, we're still exposed to to um, the, the exchange rate, primarily the Rand dollar. And a lot of those parts um, are becoming very, very expensive mm. and, and, and harder to find. So I think that's definitely something that's impacting not just us, but, but every airline. 100%, including jet fuel. Recall we went through some shortages at some point uh, where Lanseria Airport had to fill in the gaps at Oratambo, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and of course, what we've seen in terms of slight volatility between, on, on the oil price, which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, does make up at least 50% uh, of operating costs. But correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, how have you navigated this? And again, you know, uh, just in terms of uh, the model you've implemented to make it more resilient. You're spot on. So air, fuel makes up Again, every airline will be slightly different, but around half of, of the cost to operate a flight. And what I can tell you is between us launching in December 2020 and where we are today, it's the cost to operate a flight has almost doubled. Part of that is fuel. Mm. Part of that is fuel and part of that is the is the weakening rand. So between between our leases and and fuel, that's the majority of of the cost to operate. And all typically leases are all denominated in in US dollars. So we're very exposed to that because we sell our tickets in rands. Mm. Um, and so and so it's often not something that uh, certainly I didn't pay I didn't pay as much attention to it as a just as a as a traveler prior to getting into the industry, but you don't realize that. I mean, you'll, you, I'm sure you get the question a lot, like when are air, when are airfares going back down to normal? Well, they can't go back down to normal because the costs have doubled. And so this is not, it's not unique to the airline industry. I mean, anyone that's facing anything, any that's now needed to buy a generator to keep their business going or is facing is exposed to the to the increasing interest rates. Every business is facing these challenges, yeah. and so the the only thing that we that we can do is operate as efficiently as we can, and sell tickets at a price that is sustainable, sustainable, sin for the industry. And unfortunately, that does mean when the fuel price goes up and when the rand weakens, fares do need to increase. Yeah, and and it's the reality. Um, that we that we have to face, but you asked the question when when we started, who is still thinking about traveling? I think the difference that we have brought to the industry is complete flexibility. Mm-hmm. So the best thing to do is to book in advance. It's always going to be cheaper, mm. and but why don't people do that? Because plans change, and you don't want to book a ticket and not be and, and get stuck with it. So the difference with friends is lift, and and this is the thing that it's part of our the real really part of our value proposition is book in advance if you if things change you can cancel for free you get a credit you can book for yourself or someone else later there's no need to there's no need to wait till the last minute and and end up paying more 
um, because that's what happens when you when you book last minute. Hundred percent. Sure. I'm actually on your website right now and was taking a look at a few flights, just the typical Joburg to Cape Town, and um, of course the flights are quite exorbitant, especially the week after Christmas to New Year. But what I am realizing is, of course, how you communicate that sense of color, differentiating in the price, in the price, in the price, in the price, the price, the price, the dates uh, for 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 your consumers to actually get the right um, price deal and even price alerts. And I'm keen to understand how sensitive has the South African consumer been to these price increases uh, uh, Jonathan, especially in light of a, a year where we've constantly been bemoaning the costs of inflation, interest rates uh, and just, you know, subdued uh, financial flexibility that we as consumers have Yeah, I can I can only imagine how difficult it's been for I mean, not how difficult it's been for everyone mm. um, whether it's increasing interest rates filling up your car, the price of food people don't have disposable income that's the, people didn't have disposable income before it's now everyone's under even more even more pressure so we know how difficult it is um, and we are seeing that impact demand for for travel. Right now is, uh, is, the, peak, peak, is the peak of peaks so what you're looking at when you go onto our website, it's everyone is trying to travel at the same time mm-hmm. and flights are flights are expensive. It's the same as hotels. It's the same as anything. If you want to do it during the December holidays, mm-hmm. it's going to be a bit more expensive than normal. But throughout this year, we definitely saw much weaker demand than we than, than we were expecting wow. um, as in terms of a recovery. So things are recovering from COVID. But where we expected it to be versus where it was this year is definitely um, is definitely lower. And I think it, it's down to, again, the impact of, of load shedding on our economy, mm. the impact of interest rates being at, at I, can't, I don't know what month highs, but, but very significantly high. I think they've doubled in the last 24 months. Um, and, and we're seeing that. Um, and and while um, while leisure travel seems to have recovered a bit bit faster than than business travel, um, which was previously kind of that that base that kept the industry going um, all year round. So so we're definitely seeing we're definitely seeing the impact of of a tough economy on the industry. Hundred percent, and I, I find this really telling because I think it's really critical to, to for us to get a bigger picture uh, understanding of not only the macroeconomic dynamics that you deal with that impact your operational costs, but also so so again, you know, getting traction from from many um, customers and consumers in in South Africa. On that note, this also takes me to a very intriguing part that I, I've witnessed uh, in terms of Lyft's growth, which is the alignments and partnerships to also fly outside of South Africa's borders. And I think this is really critical because it does seem as though that is essentially the mainstay uh, of being competitive within the aviation space. Unpack that for us. Uh, and maybe, you know, from that, you can actually reflect on a few examples we typically see where Ethiopian Airlines, Qatar Airlines, they're always regarded as the best on the continent and globally. What is it that they do that essentially makes things work for them and a profitable business? Well, I think uh, in terms of the the regional and, and international carriers, I, I think they are blessed with a slightly better geographic position. Um, we have one direction we can fly, which is up. 
Mm. Um, and so, and so it's, it, it makes it, it definitely makes it difficult. I, the opportunity in the region is huge. I think one of the challenges in terms of flying in Africa and anyone who's tried to fly anywhere in, on the continent will often, will, will realize quickly it's often cheaper to fly to London or to Dubai than it is to fly to one of our neighboring countries. And that is because of how closed the, the, the skies are over Africa. It's very difficult for an airline like ourselves to say, okay, we want to fly to Zim tomorrow. Um, you need to get, there's a lot of regulatory hoops. You need to get permission from our department of transport, from the, the, um, country that you want to fly into. And so it, that, those things make it very difficult. And I think the advantage that these carriers like Ethiopian have is, Obviously, they are far more mature and have those rights, mm-hmm. and their economies of scale are, are are far greater than ours. I mean, we operating five or six aircraft; these these um, other airlines operating. It's a journey we're on, but definitely see a huge opportunity in in the region for a product like ours, which is which is not we are not a low cost carrier. We are a, we offer great value and and extreme flexibility, but we've got a business class and we do free catering and we've got great coffee on board and we're not trying to cut corners and charge you for an SMS to get your boarding pass. That's not who we are. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the that's the that's that's the value proposition that we're going for. Hundred percent. What I'm also keen to understand from you, Jonathan, is of course um, it's been very cr- critical for you to differentiate that you're not a low cost airline. But as we know, many airlines have come and gone in South Africa, and you've highlighted that you have a unique business plan and strategy that you've implemented to remain defensive. But I'm keen to understand if there are other nuances that you've learned from the likes of Nationwide, One Time Airlines, Velvet Sky, Blue Crane, Kulula. I'm trying to keep going here because there's quite a few more. I might be missing them, but I'm, I'm keen to understand, you know, um, when you take a look at the business case of airlines in South Africa, mm. what learnings do you have from some of these that um, literally um, were rocked by turbulence? Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sometimes difficult to avoid those puns. Um, I, I think you're, you're, you're spot on. They, of, the, of the 20 airlines that have operated in South Africa, let's call it since since um the 90s only five remain and and included in that is saa which has come and gone a couple times mm-hmm. um certainly not in the original shape so it gives you some a, a real sense for how volatile this industry is um so we're certainly aware of that and i think just going back to my previous point for us it's the is the demand driven approach to this industry we know it's highly volatile we know that things can change the 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 economic macroeconomic conditions that we have no control of can change um the rand in one day can drop five or ten percent and all of a sudden our costs are are significantly higher so that's for us is how we how we do that and the second piece is being able to share aircraft with our business units in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. So if we have, if we like when, when Comair closed in June of, of last year and we had to quickly scale up, we brought aircraft from Europe to South Africa. Mm-hmm. This year, if we see it being quiet again, we will send aircraft from South Africa to Europe for the, for the sea, for the um, summer season, um, uh, May, June, July. 
So we have that ability to scale up and scale down. Um, and I think for me, that is the, that is the critical piece to navigating this because all we know is this industry is unbelievably cyclical. And if you are only betting on growth at some point, you're going to come unstuck. Very true. Jonathan, this has been such an intriguing conversation. I don't want to let you go, but before I do, (laughs) maybe you can just share some of your closing remarks. I mean, three years is uh, not anything to scoff at for any business of any scale, more so within your particular sector. Uh, And I'm keen to understand, you know, uh, what lies ahead for Lyft, um, especially given that you've taken us through a very remarkable journey uh, of how you run your operations. Yeah, so I think the coming year is really a, a, a consolidation one for us. Um, we're looking at the region, but at the same time, we're trying to bed down our our product, our value proposition, really trying to make sure that as we've grown, so we went from in the last 12 months, we went from two to five aircraft. We, we're operating between Johannesburg, Durban and Cape Town. Previously, it was just between Joburg and Cape Town. And what we're really focused on is making sure we can keep the same level of service for our passengers that we did when we were operating a much smaller network. So for me, that's what it, that's what it looks like. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I suppose in closing, I just to, to any of those, to any of your listeners who have traveled with us, I just want to thank you for, for your support, for taking a, taking a chance on the, on the new kid on the block and and hopefully we see a, a, a few more new um, first-time lift travelers in the coming months. 100%. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it, Jonathan. And uh, yeah, we appreciate your efforts, you know, making sure that many more South Africans are able to stay connected to uh, fly and to uh, um, uh, travel uh, to various parts, not only in the country, but also in the region. It's a bold step you've taken and uh, we're looking forward to your growth onwards and upwards. And no one can blame you for the price of the tickets right now, right? As you said, it's all demand. <laughs> book, book, book in advance. This is the... This yeah. is the, the the secret which which my our commercial team will hate me for telling, <laughs> but book in advance. Yeah. If something changes, you'll cancel it, and you can use it for a flight in the future or for someone else. Hundred percent. So we've got the secret tip right from the CEO. Yes. Such a pleasure speaking to you, Jonathan. <laughs> Truly appreciate it. And to you. If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on Kaya nine five nine dot co dot za.